0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Common Kaisers. I am your host, Chris Eaton, and joining me, as always, is
1: Ariane Nohosa. I just came back from Japan. I just finished watching Shin Common Rider, and man, am I excited to talk about it! But we're not going to so... talk about that today. But what mm-hmm. we'll say is, yeah. Chris, go ahead.
0: Well, I mean, that's that's the thing. We're not going to give away the whole cookie here because as you came back, we learned some very interesting information because uh, Arion and I were talking about this uh, this past Sunday, and uh, I'm like, yeah, oh, you should talk about Shin Kamen Rider. And then literally, as we were having that conversation, news dropped that, um, well, it looks like we're not going to have to wait a whole eight months like we did for... Shin Ultraman. No, no, no. Shin Kamen Rider appears to be coming stateside. Uh, this, I believe it's Memorial Day weekend, or it's the weekend after Memorial but it is the 31st of May. So it's perfect, because here's the thing. Ariane, do you speak Japanese? No, I don't. Okay, so this is why I, I, we decided we're going to wait a minute, because Arian did see the movie, but since he does not speak the language, um, we wanted to give a fair assessment of it, so we will be watching Shin Kamen Rider when it hits the States, and we'll get a full review, you know, then. So that'll be the first show of June. But before then, uh, I wanted to get, you know, first off, Arian, you know, traveled the the wilds of Japan, and he wants, and I wanted him to kind of recap, plus he did get to see the movie, its opening weekend, and uh, just some generalized thoughts about uh, Hideki Anno's uh, latest uh, film and the, the latest edition of the Shinverse, if you will. So, Arion, how, how how was well, your trip?
1: My trip was fantastic. I, I miss Tokyo. I miss uh, going to Japan, first time back since the pandemic. Um, I cannot wait to go with you in November uh not to date this episode but a little while ago you did make a promise and i'm going to hold you up to i'm going to hold you accountable to that promise uh, but more on that later anyway yeah. uh this this trip was great um got to see a lot of people i haven't seen in a while uh, got to do a lot of I, I saw a baseball game in japan which is a lot of fun uh completely different vibe from here how, how is it stage. how is that You know what? Really? Are the people
0: more into it?
1: it, In a a weird way, yes. Uh, I think the day that we got there, uh, it was Japan versus Italy in the World Baseball Classic. Mm -hmm. And I swear, for three days, three, four days, all people talked about Shohei Otani. And up until the day I left, people only talked about Shohei Otani, which is is amazing. (laughs) Um, But let's talk about Shin Kamaranda for a second. If you don't know anything about Shin Kamen Rider, or Kamen Rider in general, this is a great way to get into it. Um, since I've seen the original series, I can kind of sort of piece together what the story is. I'm like, OK, this happens, and this happens. And because it's Ano, everything is a reference. <laughs> Down to <laughs> the helmet being slightly off-center, like everything. That... <laughs> There's there's a there's a scene where without giving way too much, writer one and writer two are there, and I believe it's the same oil oil refinery or whatever industrial area that uh, Shin mm-hmm. Ultraman and, and Mephilus fight in. And it was like, is this <laughs> man? There is so many references. Man, how do I describe it? If if you saw Shin Godzilla without subtitles, you'd be you don't speak the language, you'd be very lost. Mm-hmm. If you watch Shin Ultraman without subtitles and you're fairly familiar with Ultraman, you can kind of sort of piece together the story. And that's that's pretty similar to Shin Kamen Rider. Right? I can sort of kind of piece together the story. A couple of changes here and there. Um, overall, I really liked it. I wish I saw it twice before I left. I can't wait to see it again. Um, and I'll leave it at that. I want to give this a good, I want to give a proper sit down review with, uh, with you guys later. But that being said, I am so excited to come back to work. I am so excited to come here and talk to you about today's movie, which is what, Chris?
0: We are delving into our first Ishiro Honda movie on this podcast, uh, we talk about him all the time on the Kaiju Kingdom podcast, but we've not delved into his filmography here yet on Common Kaisers. And, you know, for a good reason. I mean, people know him mostly for his Godzilla work, but he has done other things outside of Godzilla. And he has done, uh, how would you describe it? With, I think there references like the mutant movies of Toho. I think that, that's the, the terminology that some fan circles use. Um, you,
1: like, so, are
0: you talking about H-Man and Matongo. H-Man, Matongo, yeah, a couple of those. Um, so we are delving into what was his follow-up to Godzilla, which is Half-Human, uh, a movie that I, I haven't watched going on about 12 years now. And to lay out the reason for that, um, Half-Human is, um, Got like a it, It's like Toho's The Day the Clown Cried, almost. Like, <laughs> you get that reference, right? I do. Yeah. For those who don't know, <laughs> real quick, The Day the Clown Cried was a movie that Jerry Lewis had written and directed, shot, and finished, and did not release. Because he had uh, what one would call an epiphany and said, this is kind of... Tasteless. Um, the movie is about a clown during World War II who gets uh, taken in by the Nazis after he is caught mocking the Fuhrer, and uh, he's put into uh, one of the ghettos with uh, the rest of the Jews. And so they, the Nazis, pretty much tell him, "Hey, if you want to survive this, you're going to have to help us um, convince these uh, people." Especially children to go into the chambers. It's real dark. Uh, there are clips of it online and a few, a handful of people have seen it, but Lewis notoriously has kept the movie from ever seeing the light of day. That was until he passed away, I believe back in 2017, which he gave his entire filmography, his entire library to the Library of Congress under the condition that you can release the day the clown cried but it has to be within like this time period after my death and that time period is coming up in 2 years it'll be in 2025 when that movie will be officially released really? um yes so for for movie fanatics especially hardcore film buffs like me that this is like the golden egg like with like and the part of the problem is, is that much like the movie we're going to talk about today which is in it does have a circulation, but you have to go digging for it. Uh, Day the clown cried. The script is online. People have done script reads of it, so it's not like no one knows what happens in the movie. But it's it's what we want to see because there's roughly about 20 minutes of footage that have been pieced together online uh, from different interviews, different um, the news agencies that were like on set with him in Munich when he was filming it. It's, uh, the stuff I've seen is wild. And, you know, he filmed this back in like 79, 80, and it was his attempt at getting an Oscar. This, in many ways, it was his simple Jack, um, where, yeah, like he, it was, it was trashy Oscar bait, which, um, again, I, I believe the, the story was people told him like, what, what are you doing? This might ruin your career. so. And he was very notorious because the problem was now, when you pull something away, and this all comes into what we're going to be talking about, uh, it builds a reputation and and almost a a whole persona around itself. And I got a feeling once the day the clown cries comes out and everyone can see it, we're all going to look at him like, oh, that's what all the hubbub was about. That's that's all the hub the, the hoopla. Because, I mean. I mean, all right, you've watched *Terrifier*. <laughs> There's no, no level of 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 shock or trash that we that will stun modern audiences anymore. So I think that once we see it, it'll be like showing a small child King Kong today after they've watched the legendary movies. They're like, "What is this? What, what is this supposed to be scary? Am I, you know, different place, different time?" Um. So what that brings into this is the fact that we are talking about, you know, with half human is this is Toho's black sheep movie. Um, it did get a release um, back in 1955. And it was shot around the same time that Godzilla raids again was being, was being filmed, which there's a bunch of wild publicity images, like from backstage where the Godzilla suit from raids again was in the same lot with the half-human. So it was like kind of, you know, at the time they're like, oh, what if we did a King Kong and Godzilla movie? Wouldn't that be great? Because I got to say, man, that half-human suit is, uh, so we'll go into a minute, but it's pretty awesome. So that being said, um, the film has some cultural depictions of, um, of like, how do, it's, it's a little hard uh, to, uh, without going too deep into everything, um, there's, uh, the, you know, look, let's be fair. Every country has kind of their black mark on how they treated certain people. And Japan and Russia share one with these people called the, I believe it's the Inui, which were the, um, I guess you could say the first inhabitants of of. Japan, they, they inhabited Hokkaido, the Northern Island, and a lot of the, uh, Kamakacha, I believe that's how you say it, region, uh, of Russia, the, the big peninsula that's, uh, at the, uh, eastern, um, tip of, of Russia. So both Russia and Japan notoriously kind of took these people and did the thing that, you know, we did with the Native Americans, what the Australians did with the, um, with the uh, uh, the Aborigines, mm-hmm. what China's doing with the Uyghurs right now, uh, where they kind of force them to um, um, assimilate and kind of drop their whole thing. So the people in this movie were kind of depicted, and th- there is more that goes deeper into it. Um, I'm I'm pretty sure uh, you could. There's there's plenty of of Reading, you can do up on this so to, and i don't want to turn this into just one gigantic history lesson kind of thing but framing that the movie years later was it became kind of a a, a black a black eye on, on the studio where they have not released it at all like to, toho did their theatrical run and mind you this is there's no home video at the time it's 1955 The movie was imported over here to America a few years later, and it got the Godzilla treatment in which they reshot, I would say, it's like something like 45 or 50% of the movie with American actors, including John Carradine. And thus far, that is the only version that is available worldwide. Um, That is not the version we're talking about today. We're talking about the original Japanese version, which... I knew was out there, but it was kind of, you had to dig for it Yeah, And when I brought this up a couple of weeks ago, I'm like, I I want to, I told Ari, I'm like, I want to, I want to do like an older movie, you know, especially after the, the bonkers line of movies we've done in the last few shows. I brought up half human. I'm like, we could do that one. He's like, what about the Japanese? I'm like, what? And sure enough, Ari had a copy and I'm like, that is what we are doing. So, this is a first watch for me. I've never seen the Japanese version of this movie ever. This is the first time in my 39 years on this planet I've seen the full uncut version. Well, at least uncut as a, as it's as it'll be um you know whatever version that Toho did plot to release at one point. Um and that's what we're going to be talking about. Now, for a little of how, you know, we're seeing this. Here's the backstory to that. Um, back in 1994, Toho toyed with finally putting this out on home video. They were going to put it out on VHS. And they struck a copy. They had a new master made up and they were going to distribute it. And then at the last second, much like Jerry Lewis, decided against it and said, Nay, we're not putting this out. So what happened? Well, a Fantastic Four, a Roger Corman's Fantastic Four incident happened. Someone snuck the master copy out of the editing room and duplicated it and some people subbed it. And now that's how it lives online. So when we watch this copy, there is a, um, there, there's, there's the uh, time bar at the top that's been blurred out. So it's not the best copy, but it's good enough. I'll just put it that way, especially if you're, you know, you're like me and you spent years digging through old convention, you know, through convention uh, tape traders and getting your hands on whatever third, fourth generation dubs of like the Star Wars uh, Christmas special, things like Three Dev Adams, stuff that, you know, were passed and past and past and thus copy, copy, copy. So, um, so that lays out everything here. That being said very interesting movie especially considering this is a uh, the the true honda version it's one of the few honda movie non one of the few honda monster movies i've not had the 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 opportunity to watch in at least in its original form so it's going to be kind of a treat um considering it's it's still very interesting it's much i'll say it up front it's much better than the american version um have you, you've seen the american one right
1: Not all the way through. I've definitely put it on,
0: but I've never sat down
1: and and watched. Like, oh, okay. Just kind of had it
0: on. It's not good. It's not good. It's got a lot of, like, 1950s pacing problems because they're, you know, they butchered that movie very uh, harshly. So uh, pretty much just leaving in all the money shots, Um, which I did find out Toho did ship the the child suit. The baby. The baby. To the uh, the studio that reshot it which again it, a, a practice that is astonishing in this day and age where you know <laughs> American companies are like people aren't gonna watch a whole movie you know with non-white actors in it let let we gotta we gotta juge this up a little bit and so we will just truncate and recut the hell out of these things um in this day and age that would seem barbaric for at least film fans How but far we how far we have oh, come you know you know what i you know yeah. what helped that the kung fu the kung fu uh um craze of the 1970s i think that really showed to people you know at least to studios they're like oh yeah we can just dub them and it's cheaper and people are all in on it they're not going to be like there's not a white person here you know they're not going to watch it's like no they'll watch they'll watch any they'll watch anything that's entertaining so that said let's let's delve into the real version of half human so this yeah. is a movie this is a so we start uh in a um in a it looks like a um we're we're in some sort of like kind of like building i they never really established where the hell they are, and this reporter comes in sits down with all these sullen looking people including a few familiar faces if you watched a lot of toho films. Including one Akira Takarada, who is fresh off of uh, Godzilla. Looks, I think he's like what 22 here. He's a he's still a young buck. And the reporter pretty much comes in. and It's like, all right, starts taking notes. And uh, the one thing he does notice is that as he puts his um his hat and his jacket down, there's a box that's clearly filled with the ashes of a of a loved one, and uh, he's uh. Just talk, It's like, so what's the story? So the framework is this whole thing is being told in flashback, and the group is like, well, we'll, we'll let uh, we'll let our friend here, uh, 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 Takashi, pretty much tell the story, which is Takarada. So then we flash back to how everyone got to where they were. So it's essentially this this mountaineering club. Um, of students pretty much are going skiing in the Japanese Alps. They, uh, they're they kind of having a fun and fancy. Can, can free, I say something? You know, time as well in the,
1: yeah. Can I say something about the scene, this opening? Well, yeah. not opening scene, but the scene about them uh, going from the top of the hill to the lodge. That scene mm-hmm. takes forever. It takes way too long. For an it just, it, there's maybe like eight of them, and, and the camera follows each one of them, like as they go down. The stuff like, all right. I was watching. I was like, okay, all right. Ten minutes later, they're down at the at the uh, at the lodge, right? Mm-hmm. And then, and then uh, the the next scene is uh, is Emiko. What's her name? She's from she's from the original Godzilla as well. I know her as Emiko.
0: Um uh hold on, I got my notes right here. It is um oh uh 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 Machiko.
1: What's her name? Machiko. Machiko, thank
0: Denise. you. Uh, yes, Machiko.
1: She she lets everybody know, like, hey, there's a blizzard. Like, oh well, that's convenient. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> uh <laughs> like that's a that's a one way to start this movie. Uh and then Something about burning hell,
0: right? Well, he, he, kind of. The uh, The group gets split up by the blizzard. So four of them go off. They get, right. they get to this cabin. Yeah, yeah, they get to this cabin. The other group, they get split up. And they know that there's, like, another cabin down the, the ridge. And they assume that, you know, they've probably found their way to the cabin. So they'll go looking, you know, in the morning when the blizzard has, um, has passed. Well, morning comes and, uh, they go searching and, uh, they don't, they don't find anything. Um, so that, and again, as you're talking about, like, again, pacing this, the first, that's the thing I did notice with this movie is that, yeah, the, the first, like, 30 minutes. And I know this because I was looking at the, the timer on my, as I was watching this on my computer. I'm like, yeah, we're like 20 minutes in. There's not a lot going on yet, but, That's kind of how movies were back then. It's what they call the slow burn. Um, They find the body of one of their friends who uh, um, is. The problem was, again, here's the problem watching this copy. The subs are a little blurred and the quality is a little off. So they, they allude that he's still alive when they bring him to the cabin. Once they get to the cabin, he's dead and they don't know what what went down and they the, so they're like well we not we got one guy we got to find the other ones so they uh essentially just realize um oh yeah the hell valley. it's the valley's called burning hell valley <laughs> that's what you're uh that, that's that's what they were referencing too <laughs> so uh believe me a lot of these valleys have some weird names that they they pro- I don't know if these are real real-life places or not, but, uh, Burning Hell Valley does sound kind of awesome, though. Anyway, uh, so the party, you know, they set out to find, uh, the, um, the other cabin, which is, uh, run by a, uh, Mr. Gen. and, uh, when they arrive at the cabin, they find him dead, and it looks like there's this big invasion of, uh, of, uh, <coughs> Mr. Gen. They assume it might be a bear. But the thing is, they're like, well, bears are bears are usually hibernating around this time of year." And uh they find uh the coat of uh Tenenko, which is uh, uh, uh Sorry, I'm, t- I'm brother of Amiko, right? Thank you. Yes. No. What's her
1: name? What's her name in this movie?
0: Michinko, Uh Michiko.
1: Michiko. Michiko. Machi- Michiko
0: yeah. Man, I don't know what. I'm, I'm getting over confused. Being... <laughs> yeah,
1: not, not to be confused with another character named Chica. Yes.
0: Chikra, <laughs> who Chika, who is a part, is part, part of this village. So sure. now we begin this, this. So now the so now the group is like something went down. We have to go search for our friends, and uh, that's what they do. They they start a search party but they find nothing. And this is a lot of walking. If you think Lord of the Rings has a lot of walking. There's a lot of walking. Um, so they do find some fur, like pieces of hair on the, uh, on the cabin door. So that's what it leads them to believe it's a bear. But when they take the, uh, the hair back, they take it to a uh, Dr. Uh, Kozumi who explains that he's unable to identify the hair. And, Someone in the party suggests, well, maybe it might be the abominable snowman, which, you know, that's a, that, that's really that's right. throwing it out there. Yeah, that's that's there. You're really throwing it out there. But to be fair, if there's no if the if there's no bears at this time, what else lives in that region? Something Harry did attack him. <laughs> so we you know, now. Movie, I was a little.
1: This part of the movie, I was a little confused as to, I'm sorry if I I interrupted you there. Oh, no, no. But I believe there's a time skip.
0: There is. They wait till spring. Yeah. Okay. Which isn't exactly made clear. They kind of mention it and then it just cuts. Because now we're all of a sudden, no snow, you know, it's clean. And you're like, wait, what the hell just happened? Like, I'm literally sitting here watching this dead center. Like, my face is three inches from the screen. And then this happens. I'm like, wait, what the hell just happened? I had to go back like twice to to figure it out. I'm like, oh, okay. So, uh, the doctor and the uh, the club go back. They go back like three, four months later because now they're like, well, at the very least, we're gonna bring our friends' bodies home. Like they're they're gonna find they're gonna find them. Um, they so they arrive at this lodge with a this little kind of like kind of pep squeaky looking dude uh in a in a group one led by Oba who um they're they're these guys that run a carnival and of course you can tell off the bat they're bad guys because they're all sheisty they're all dirty they all have that like that that uh, shit-eating grin on their face they're sheisty yes and and you can tell that their 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 motives are not noble I mean, they come off as the biggest a-holes, like, right, right off the bat. And they say that they're also looking for this uh, abominable snowman because they have reports that the, you know, members have actually seen it. And they're like, we're going to capture this thing, and we're going to take it on the road. Very King Kong style. Like, this is this is very Carl Denimish. ish Like, we're going to capture it, and we're going to take it on the road. We're going to be millionaires, boys. I'll share it with all of you. Except uh, but more more, more course to be. Yeah, very yeah. much. A lot of, Horror. yeah, there's a lot of, yeah. <laughs> perfect. That is the perfect. They're all goons. Like they're literally all goons. Like these are just hired goons. Like these are definitely guys that feel like they work for like a, a, a crappy suspect looking carnival. Like they're not put, they're, they're, ch- they're cheating on the, they're, they're cheating you on the, uh, the games. The rides aren't put together properly. They're cutting corners. Hmm. Uh, they, these are not good men. So they get word of the uh the group is also looking for their friend and they they now feel that their search is now being hindered because they're worried that this group might come across the abominable snowman before they do and that might uh complicate matters much further. So uh they the the group our, our hero group lays out like, okay, this is where we're going to go look. So they lay out a plan and, uh, they get a, a couple of people to come with them to, uh, to help them with the air to, you know, that know the area well. And they lay out a map and, you know, they're, they're talking like, this is going to be like a day and a half hike. We're going to go here. We're going to ford this river. And they're just like, well, I mean, I mean, it's, a per- it's time to try. So, um, they get around. You know, this is all around like a campfire, and one of them uh points out they should go to this area called Garin Valley, uh, which really puts the two guys that they hire on uh on alert because they tell him like, no, 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 you don't want to go there. I'm like, why? It's like, no, that's a bad place. No one ever comes back alive. Like, it's the, of course, it's the foreshadowing. Like, you know, evil lurks here. And you know they're like we really don't want to go there, but the group wants to find their friends, so they're like, no, no, we have to go look. So they head there's, off. There's a really, there's a really
1: creepy part of this. Uh, there's a really creepy part of this scene where you see what. I'm sorry, if I get the wrong, the wrong uh, pronunciation. Bura
0: the village yes. people who are watching yes. them from a distance. Yeah, it's actually this is a very effective shot because they're around a campfire as this is going on, and you kind of see the what we find out to be the village elder peering through the brush, which in and of itself is kind of, I mean, look, if you if you're in a you're in the middle of the woods, I I would honestly rather be with a some sort of Bigfoot or Sasquatch than creepy people, because as we all know, man is the most dangerous animal. So. But yeah, so now we so we now have another fork, you know, another obstacle in this road because now we got these villagers as these uh, these travelers are encroaching upon their their land. They don't, you know, they're not they're not happy about this. These are these are you know simple town, you know, mountain folk. So as uh, the group uh, so the next day the group takes off. Uh, there's a landslide. For some reason, this a big rock slide. Oh, they managed to survive before, that. Before, mm-hmm.
1: before that, it, they believe they kill a bear. And so and I thought this part was genius because they think they kill a bear, but then they go to investigate it, and, and they notice this the shot was not fatal, so there's no mm-hmm. reason for this bear to be dead. And mm-hmm. then upon upon noticing, like, wait, this bear is, what, 55 kilos, then the landslide happens. Oh, okay. I Just like, oh, this is a trap. This is a genius yeah. trap. <laughs> they, they, you know, some of them get it. Some of these goons get away. Some, like I think one or two get trapped of them. Mm-hmm. And as, soon, as soon as they escape, you hear a roar or a scream or it's hor this horrible sound. Uh, I assume was is, is the big is, is the bigfoot. But go on.
0: Well, that leads yes. Uh, to the so yeah so we get to, so the landslide happens and uh the so now and they hear the roar so now the group now they're like well okay there might be something there might be something bigger out there there might be an abominable snowman of some sort even though it's not we're not in the snow anymore if a, if a i mean if a bigfoot sasquatch yeti whatever if he's in, he, you can keep the abominable but if it, there's no snow does it really make him a snowman This is this is the questions I ask. (laughs) So that night, after all this goes down, they're camping and this is where we get our first glimpse at the half human. And it's actually a very, very well done shot. This is a great shot. This is something that if you watch movies in the Bigfoot genre, this shot has been done many many times but this is one of the most effective partly i believe my personal opinion is because it's this is in black and white it just it made it so much more creepier and and the there there's more dread to the scene um where everyone's sleeping in their camps or in their tents and the tent has a little window and you see this shadow appear and all of a sudden you see something peer in and this i I lo- there's nothing creepier than something peering in through your window of of any sort. I watch a lot of like paranormal videos online, you know, because they're fun. Um, and the best stuff <laughs> is always when something something's looking at you from the outside in, and there's that sense of like, am I safe in here? And you're never sure. But we get our first real look at the half human, and Going into the actual suit. So, Subaraya built the suit. It's a fantastic fursuit. I, I believe he would take what he did with this and then later on and put it into uh, King Kong and the Gargantuas. But this is a very effective suit. It's, it's, uh, since the, since the Abominable Snowman's not too much bigger than the rest of the cast, like, you just get a big guy to get in this. And it looked like it was a mixture of, um, uh, makeup uh, prosthetics on the face, and like a full hair suit, which blends very well. Um, the 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 way the the facial expressions on this thing stand out, just fantastic. Like the 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 only the, the other the only other time for me like with Superia's work, where like you get awesome facial because again you're dealing with with monsters, you're dealing with like dinosauric creatures and dragons and all kinds of other things so expressions you can only go so far with when you're building like the uh, you know say Godzilla there are suits that had some great facials but you can only do so much especially at that time when you have like a big dinosaur head you know you can move the eyes and whatnot but here the actor can really emote and express himself much like uh Haru Nakajima as Gaira like one of my favorite monster performances I love War of the Gargantuas, and Part of the reason is the fact that, much like this half-human suit, the actors inside the suits, because the the function, the, the build of the suits, because they're humanoid, they had so much more mobility. And the, the fact that it's not a mask over them, it is facial prosthetics, kind of like eh, like, like 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 Frankenstein. You know, there there's clearly like you know head pieces and makeup pieces to make the brow that much bigger and. More, you know, uh, more dominant, but you get you get the emoting of the actor underneath it, which works. I I, I I can keep going on about it, but so anyway, half human is peering in, sees the lovely uh, Machiko, and of course, you know, any sort of wild man needs companionship, and so he his hand, his big hairy hand, just reaches in. And is about ready to grab her when she wakes up screaming, sees the hand, and that's when uh, um, everyone else is alerted. And they all rush out of their tents and they see this giant ape man just running off into the uh, into the forest. Now they know. Now they know they're dealing with something that is not that is not nat- well. It's natural, but it's not something that they they have any any knowledge of. So they're dealing with something bigger than them. Uh, the, uh, so as this is going on, um, uh, sorry, um, damn it, I keep losing my, my. there's this bit
1: where yeah. there's this bit, um, right after the scene. So th- they chase off the monster Takarada and the rest of the group chase off this monster and uh you know they they fire at it um Takarata falls somewhere i believe he gets captured
0: uh, yeah i know yeah he does fall oh, yeah. And he, yeah he falls and gets injured chasing after the after the monster and by the way um but again er, early effects something that was unintentionally hilarious about this is the the dummies they used for the bodies I'll give him. I'll give. I'll yeah. give Super credit on this. The dummies weren't just what they weren't just regular dummies. There was, they had some like they they did kind of work like a limp body, like they the legs and arms would sway like you would if you know something big was carrying these you know these bodies around, but like when they're throwing them off a cliff, it is the stiffest thing you've ever seen. It's unintentionally funny, but again, 1955 you. Uh, you roll with the punches you you roll with what they had at the time so yes so our hero is is separated he gets injured and yes he is- so they
1: cut to the next morning uh, they cut to the next morning and one of the one of the best bits in the movie for me is their guides talk to the group and say hey man we're out you know F this we mm-hmm. don't want to go to what's the, what's the, uh Garon Valley um, mm-hmm. so they straight up leave the group. Yeah, and well just at this point I was like, look, let's assume the worst and say it. this guy's dead. There's yeah, you know, there's, there's not coming back from this.
0: Well, here's the thing and they don't so, know. He's, well, he survives. And, and, you know, and he's, you know, he uh, right, he thinks he's fine, but unfortunately, he runs afoul of Oba and his gang, who then push him off another cliff to get him out of the way. So this guy is having just the worst luck right now. Cuz now the CD goons have gotten to him and uh they have uh they've they, they thought they took care of him so that they can continue their pursuit of um their abominable snowman. And this is when we now cut forward to uh uh Takeshi waking up and he finds himself in a hut. And there's this very pretty girl, uh, over him taking care of him. And this is where we, intru- we are introduced to not only the, uh, the, the mountain people, but it looks like the one girl that lives in, it lives in this entire village, uh, Chica or Chica. And she's nursing him back to health. Uh, you know, she's showing some kindness, uh, You know, because she's asking like, where the hell am I? She's kind of like, You're you're safe. That's all you need to know. So she goes back, she goes outside, and the rest of the village, including the creepy old man, are standing there going, What the hell are you doing? And she's like, I'm just trying to help. They're like, No, 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 no. We don't bring outsiders in here. It doesn't matter. And she protests, which leads to the ire of the, the village elder, who berates her and then gives her a smack across the face. Like this guy's an ass. These people are assholes. And it was at this point I'm like, oh, okay. Maybe, um, maybe I'm seeing why Toho really doesn't, they don't think this, this was in the best taste to, um, to release this. Because these mountain people are not good people. Like it seems like Chica is the only good person there. The rest of them are very superstitious uh, very. They're all dirty. They're they're all they all look kind of messed up. Like they uh, and I I know from reading it's implied that they look like that from years of inbreeding. So look, it's
1: uh, it without getting a little, you know, without it's borderline blackface. Um,
0: very much so. Know, buck teeth. It,
1: yeah and it, it's I, I don't think we are the uh the experts when it comes to bura but it's mm-hmm. even from someone who doesn't know a whole lot about the issue it was kind of hard to watch
0: yeah they're not they're not being shown in the in the greatest light this is um i mean like it's not as as egregious as um you know king kong versus godzilla with the um the whole Japanese cast, you know, mocked up as, as uh, Pacific Islanders, which, up in yeah. yeah, which I, I, that I, I kind of get, I give more of a pass to because you're filming a movie in 1962 in Japan. There's not a lot of people of color in that, in, you know, in those, in those areas. And, you know, we can, you know, judging by modern state, it's never a good thing to judge by modern standards, you know, it's they they make do with what they had at the time and and you know they're not going to spend money going on an international search looking for extras they're just going to have the stock players they have you know hanging out and they're just going to put a little you know a little makeup on them to darken them up to look like they've been you know they live in a tropical climate so that I give a pass to this now that I'm watching I'm like ah yeah this is um this is a tad harsh so the village elder Pretty much, you know, after you know, smacking her around, tells her that the uh, the master, as they refer to him, which we find out is the half-human, doesn't take kindly on the on on her breaking their their sacred ways, and they tell her to hop to it to go feed the master, which they give her these. um, It looks like they're they're like boar, like little like piglets, like skin piglets. They're wrapped up. And uh they tell her to go go drop off dinner, so she heads up to uh heads up this hill to this cave opening, drops these uh you know this this you know cornucopia of meat, and does this weird inhuman call just like kind of like hey, dinner's on, and this is where we're introduced to not only that, you know, now we're introduced to the half humans. It, it's He's got a son. He's got a child. And uh, we see that there's, you know, there might be more to this monster than, than meets the eye. So she runs off frightened. He shows up, gets the meat, splits it with his kid. And then they kind of like just go about their ways. Um, Which, you know. There's a beautiful
1: way they do this. Go ahead. Uh, there's mm-hmm. a beautiful little scene where the monster is giving the food to the younger monster. And you can see in the background that there is skeletons of mm-hmm. other monsters. Of mm-hmm. other. Uh, so it's implied that these are the last of their kind. Yes. And I thought that was a really nice, without saying it out loud, showing, mm-hmm. showing, not telling.
0: Yeah so she uh when she returns back to the village she finds Takeshi missing and once again uh she gets beaten because now the 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 village is like where the hell did he go she's like i don't know i was delivering food for for our for our you know demigod uh so she runs off and uh we find out that uh Takeshi had been taken out uh Possibly by like some rogue villagers tied up and tossed over a ravine. Now you want to talk about an impressive shot. This was, I, my mind was my, my imagination was captured by this because now we have, we have our hero tied. He's tied up. His legs are bound. His legs, his arms are tied behind his back. He's gagged and he's just hanging off the side of this cliff. And it's a very impressive mat shot. So, They got the Japanese Alps in the back. He's dangling. And, you know, it's a real time. It's not like it's just a mat shot. So he's dangling. And the one thing that they did kind of chop in are all these buzzards floating around him. Now, the buzzards are clearly effects because they're just... It looks like someone just took, like, a mouse cursor and was just moving the mouse around to look like the birds were flapping around. (laughs) But... Beyond that, this, I mean, it's a, it's a very cool looking shot. Like Honda really framed this very well. Like there is a sense of dread and slight beauty to it too. So Chica, uh, is pretty, she's, she's now kind of downtrodden. She runs off and as she's kind of like walking around like this cliffside, she runs across Oba and his men and she mistakes them for Takeshi's party. And she's like, Oh, are you with the, the Mountaineer people? And they're like, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we are, you know. And they uh you know, they sweet talk her a little bit. They're like, hey, you know, we're um you know, we're 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 you know, we're we're looking for uh you know, we're looking for our friends and possibly some other stuff. And she, you know, they they're like, Do you know anything about a... Uh, some sort of, you know, snowman lives around here. Which, of course, she's like, no, 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 no. But they know she's lying, so they they kind of butter her bread a little bit. Which, um, they're like, look, if uh, you tell us, we'll we'll bring everyone back. We'll get we'll get our friend back, and uh, we'll help him out. And like, they're like, you can trust us. Like, he gives her, Oba gives her uh, his ring. He's like, this is a very You know this. You know this is my most prized possession. So this is how much I'm trusting you. And so she kind of agrees, and tells them pretty much where the snowman can be found. Under the, you know, the guys that like, you know, they're gonna come back and help, help, you know, you know, you know, help the stranger that I was helping out. Not realizing that she's kind of doomed everyone. She then goes back to her village, which the elder once again, uh. Gets on her, and is like, where, where were you? What were you doing? And she's like, nothing. And they discover the ring, and uh the elder kind of accuses her of like selling out the village. She's like, no, it's not like that, and then proceeds to beat the crap out of her. Which I th- you feel bad for this girl. Because she's clearly the only woman in this village, and she is treated like the doormat. Like they they do not they do not they these are not feminists whatsoever. So Oda and his men uh, arrive at the uh, the cave of the of the uh, abominable snowman, and they find the 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 child. They capture him, and they use him as bait to trap the you know to 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 trap the the father. Meanwhile, the father is out hunting for food for for him and his and his boy, and he comes across Takeshi dangling off the side of the cliff, and a very cool shot, which gives you know again. Here's what Toho does best. They give their monsters personalities. They give them a little more. They're not just monsters. They're, they're, they're more than that. The snowman looks down, he's like, Oh, hey, you need a little help. Pulls Takeshi up, puts him back, puts him on the ground, unties him, kind of gives him a little pat in the back, picks up this deer that he had killed over his shoulder, and then walks, walks off into the into the forest, making on his merry way. With Takeshi, like, oh. Maybe he's not so bad after all. Maybe we were wrong about this. Maybe he's not so abominable. Well, that all goes to hell. You know, five I'm minutes so later,
1: snow-
0: he's not so abominable. Uh, he's he, he might be quite friendly. Um, the snowman shows up and is ambushed by Oba and his crew. Sees his kid tied up. The the the, the child uh, snowman is calling for his father. A struggle ensues. And um Oba and his men are are they have a big net like lined up, like set as a trap. And uh, one of the men is freaking out. He's got a shotgun, and him, don't shoot, we need it alive. Which he ends up firing anyway, but he doesn't hit them the, the snowman. The snowman charges them and they drop the net. And they manage to he gets caught up in this net, and all of them jump on this on this monster. And then they chloroform him, which is a very interesting, um, this was an interesting plot point. I'm like, you're chloroforming a clearly, you know, five, six hundred pound, you know, eight foot, you know, you know, uh, missing link. I'm like. Yeah, I, it felt like this, the the screenwriters were like, look, look, look. We, we need to keep the the story moving. We'll, we'll, we'll just we'll just do this. So they managed to subdue him, bring him up, and they're like, yes, we did it. But the the child manages to escape. They're like, ah, screw him. We don't need him. We got the big one. That's the one that counts. So they chain him up. They put him in the back of their their uh their truck with a big cage on it, and they take off. And they are. Putin hollering that they're going to be rich. And they're talking to are you know, as they're driving, they're like, look, we're going to take him to the United States. Then we're going to take him to London, then Paris. And, you know, you can see the skeeziness coming. They're like, yeah, those, those French women, ah, yeah, there's something. Ah, yeah, yeah. All the while celebrating, you know, their, their, um, their ill-gotten victory, uh, not knowing that the child has been following them on this mountain trail, which alludes that the child is quite quick because these guys are, are hauling ass in two trucks going at least 50 miles an hour. So the child jumps onto the back of the truck that his dad's being kept in, which is in this large cage. And he starts like rocking the cage and forcing it open. The men in the truck behind the cage truck, see the kid and they're like, son of a bitch. He's going to ruin the whole thing. So they honk, getting the attention of, uh, Oba and, uh, and the other driver, uh, not realizing that the, you know, their, their plan is running afoul now. And, uh, the kid manages to break in, rouses his father, breaks some of his chains. But, uh, by the time the, uh, the men figure this out, it's too late. And, uh, the adult abominable snowman reaches, through the opening into the truck and strangles the driver, which was, <laughs> it's a great scene. Um, they, the, really truck, yeah, the truck slams on its brakes. The truck behind that's following them slams on their brakes and goes over a cliff. There's really, they don't show like, Oh no, we're swearing. It's just slam and then a barrel roll down this ravine and you just see these bodies just flailing about as they're going down this 200 foot drop and crashing into this creek below. So the snowman is, uh, so they stop the truck. The drivers get, the drivers get out. Oba gets out and, uh, the snowman manages to, uh, free himself from the cage. But as he does, Oba freaks out and fires his gun while blindly into at, at the snowman and his kid. Uh, the snowman gets out. And as the kid is behind him, Oba ends up shooting his child, who falls just flat on the ground, which, of course, any caring parent enrages the snowman. <laughs> so he attacks Oba, picks him up over his head, and tosses his body like a ra- like the literal rag doll that they use for the effect over this cliff. And now he sat- sits there and mourns the loss of his child, picks him up takes him back to his cave and as he puts him down he's now furious and roars and roars. what does he do he takes his revenge out on the on the only other thing that's in the area he starts attacking the village and he does this with such vigor like he starts just knocking over all the huts he uh, starts throwing the villagers left and right Things managed to catch on fire, which I'm not exactly sure how that happened because you don't really see any fires burning. But you got to make the uh, the effect dramatic. Um. So, oh, I, you know what, I completely spaced. Uh, the village elder, um, before this, um, they confront Oban and his crew, and they end up shooting him. When they find out that that they're after the um abominable snowman. So now the elder's injured and as he's lying there dying, he pretty much tells Chica, he's like, you've screwed everything up. You're a bitch. And, uh, you know, it's like you brought death on you. And she's, he pretty much tells her like, go to hell. And she feels terrible about what she's just done, but he does not help anything by telling her what a terrible, terrible person that she is. So as this, uh, as, so as we cut back to the, the snowman rampaging, She tries to save the Elder, who's still alive after being shot in the chest, as the snowman knocks over the the entire uh, hut that they're in. She's trying to drag him out. He's like, no, leave me. It's too late. And ends up burning to death inside of this, kind of stuck in this hut, which is a horrible way to go. So half the village manages to get away. Chica watches as... Her village is in ruins and the snowman goes off onto, you know, screaming into the forest and realizing like, oh man, I, I really screwed everything up. So here's the thing at this point, this movie feels like it's two different movies at at one time. I don't know if you got that feeling. Like there's definitely like two I, different plots. Going on.
1: I think at this point the movie turned um, they portray the monster in a certain way up until right around this point, right after the baby dies, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the stuff with the uh, the go- Or what do you mean by
0: two different plot points? Well, we've at this point we're we've got this whole twenty to twenty five minute stretch where the the mountain group the uh, the, uh, the hero group has not even been been seen. In fact, we, we lose Takeshi for like a good 15 of those minutes. Oh my so the God. second he gets, yeah, the second he gets rescued by the snowman, like he disappears from the movie while all this other stuff is going oh on. Oh,
1: my God. Yeah, you're right.
0: Yeah, I didn't so that all, in my notes,
1: but yeah, you're right. Like, yeah. There's no mention.
0: Yeah, and now it feels like the movie now shifts back to what is the A-plot, and the uh Takeshi comes get reunites with his uh with his group, tells them what, what went down, they see the village burning in the distance, and they go to investigate. They find the village in smolders, and uh, realizing that something something went down and uh they uh, they you know he tells you know like he's telling the, the camp, he's like, Look, the this monster saved me like we It's like I don't think it's the uh a marauder that we we suspected it would it would be it, that it is so they decide to um to go you know continue looking and they uh, they meet up with with uh, Chica who tells them that pretty much you know the you know their her god just pretty much got pissed off and murdered everybody and she agrees to help them find the uh, the monster so. The mountain, the the mountain group, the our hero group, pretty much they arm up and uh, they start looking, and they end up um, they end up she ends up taking him to to his cave, and this is where now we finally get some like you know backstory as to what happened here. So as they're exploring the cave, the uh, the doctor notices you know they notice a pile of bones, like this body that's been stripped of its flesh; it's just skeletal remains. They find that it's uh, Machiko's brother, and uh, so now they, uh, they so they're like, okay, well now we know what happened to him. And they find his journal, and the journal he, they find the journal of their friend, who reveals that the snowman actually rescued him in the blizzard, brought him back, tried to nurse him to health, and ultimately, you know, they realize, oh hey, you know, maybe this. uh, The snowman isn't so bad after all. Maybe he's just kind. So they go exploring further into the cave, and they find these mushrooms growing out of the walls. And the doctor that's with them points out, he's like, "This, these are very poisonous mushrooms, which uh, would explain uh, why, you know, they, because they notice that there's more remains laying around." So he, they conclude that possibly whatever this tribe was. Uh, they're down to the last two because the rest of these, uh, these ape creatures ate these mushrooms and all died. So, which does explain why the snowman has a son because it's, otherwise you're implying that, uh, he's going out and finding, uh, you know, uh, a lady, you know, capturing some ladies off the, uh, the mountain <laughs> roads to, uh procreate with but that is not the case here no no there there were there were many more abominable snowmen but they we are now down to our last one he's now the last of his kind so it which shows like okay this was the smart one of the group um so as uh as they're as they're looking around the snowman ends up capturing uh machiko and takes off with her so now the rest of the group has to they're like, Shit! Now we gotta go get her back. So they go charging after him. They end up in this other cave, which is um, kind of volcanic. It's implied that it's that it's like at the base of a volcano because there's this bubbling pit at the bottom that looks like it's like some sort of uh, hot spring of some sort. Which, uh, if you if you watch enough movies, you're like, that's probably gonna play into the uh, into this whole story in a minute. And sure enough, it does. So the, the, uh, the abominable snowman has Machiko. They go chasing after him. A fight ensues. They realize that they can't shoot him because, well, they might hit, they might hit the girl. So Chica offers to reason with, with the beast. As she said, this is all my fault. I, uh, I need to, uh, I need to make this right. So she approaches the, mo- she approaches the snowman who is kind of, you know, he's not exactly like, Oh hey, I know you. He's he's standoffish, and she approaches him and pulls a knife on him. This giant like jackknife. Um, a fight ensues, and the two of them end up careening over the uh, over this this cliff into the bubbling pool below, where they both perish. <laughs> Which at this point, you kind of feel bad for Chica because all she all she did was help out a stranger. And it ultimately led to her death. She didn't deserve any of this. And what she got out of it was being boiled, you know, being boiled alive, which is a terrible, terrible way to go. And the film then smash cuts back to the beginning to the framing device with the reporter going, ah, wow, that's an interesting story. Well, the train's coming. We better get going. And they get up and they all leave and we get one lasting shot of the Japanese Alps credits. So I sat there and I'm like, huh. That's um. It's an interesting way to end a movie. Um overall overall. Is this one of the better works of a Shiro Honda? It is definitely not um now mind you before godzilla he had never really done monster movies he was doing war movies romance movies i think he did a yakuza movie in there um so this is him after he did godzilla which giant hit uh i think uh, that it came out the same year seven samurai i think they were the two highest grossing movies for toho and so now toho is like well gee you can do monster movies let's keep making monster movies Half Human is a solid movie. The Japanese version is far more solid. Would you agree?
1: I like I like this movie, but you're right. It is not Ishiro Honda's best movie.
0: No, it does feel like this is a. It, it's um, no. It's no what?
1: It it's no Space Amiibo, you know.
0: No, no, it definitely isn't. Nor is it a War of the Gargantas, nor is it a Frankenstein Conquers of the world. Nor is it even an H man. It, it does feel like this is this was a kind of like, look, let's just churn out another monster movie. These seem you know, we these things seem to be picking up. Um let's not go big this time, let's go small. Um which, you know, this is one of the few times where Honda is actually directing, you know, the special effects in the movie. Like he' You know the monster, the the half human is on screen with 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 the human cast, so he's interacting with them. Um, ultimately, the you know it's well shot, it's it's a, it's solidly made, but again it has weird pacing issues. As you know, as I pointed out, like it feels like there's two different stories going on here, um, and the climax is just kind of like you know no, this is it. But that is a kind of like a staple of of you know, fifties and sixties monsters films. Like, I mean, it's better because you actually do get a lot. And in terms of like Bigfoot movies, um, it's, this is up there with some of the better ones there. There's a lot of really bad Bigfoot movies, like some terrible, terrible Bigfoot movies, but this is, this is a much more, um, I would say it, in, in the, in the pantheon of, of, of Sasquatchian films, this is somewhere in the middle. It's it's a solid outing. Uh, doesn't really go into the lore, but then again, there really wasn't the. You know, I mean, this is before the Patterson gimli tape. This is before like Bigfoot mania really, really took off. So this, I mean, it was a little ahead of its time. Um, that said, it's an
1: okay movie, man. It's it's yeah. you know it, it's a good thing to watch. It's a good you know like oh well this is a bad movie. And if you have the opportunity to watch it or get it, get your hands on a copy, by all means, um, it's interesting to see where Toho was as a company because this is mm-hmm. does it does not look cheap. It looks very it no, looks very not well done. Well, we're well, very well done. Um, some of the shots of of the creature walking through the forest and the the you know the cameras focus on his forehead, kind of like mm-hmm. going back and just looks really menacing. Um, mm-hmm. I do love the bit where in the creature. The, how they have a lot of personality, how this one is balding. Mm. So it's clearly yeah. an older monster.
0: Yeah. I love he's got a beard, um, too. Yeah, right?
1: Uh, yeah. Which, I'm uh, when, really when I'm sure watching, I'm mean. like. Oh, so the creature balding. Uh, sorry, I lost my thought. But um, I thought it was interesting how the creature was balding, uh, had a beard. It was. It had a lot of personality. But going back mm. to the movie itself, I wasn't really sure as an audience who the antagonist and the protagonist of the movie was uh, right until the monster became the de facto antagonist toward the end. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't really sure if it was the village people, if it was, you know, the goons, was it Takarata? I wasn't, it wasn't very clear. And maybe that kind of hindered my enjoyment of the movie.
0: There were, yeah, there is some, some, uh, there there is uh, again the, the script does take some wild leaps at times and like i you know as i mentioned it does feel like it's kind of like at time hmm. um i mean look they they establish the entire time, like through uh, up until the point where his his boy gets shot the creature is intelligent and he's pretty docile like he's not like going around you know, murdering people, like, he's doing just the opposite, like, he's rescuing people, like, he's very friendly, shows a sense of intelligence, and then, you know, then goes on a berserk rampage, which, again, when, when his kid was shot, if you're establishing this monster can kind of discern between people and stuff like that, they do take a leap when he does finally go, like, on a, you know, in his, in his berserk mode. You are, they are kind of taking a leap of faith that, like well he is still a monster it's like she spent all this time kind of saying he's not really a monster and that the real monsters are probably these villagers and definitely these goons like there are there are two factions of people in here who are not good human beings um but one of them had nothing to do with the death of his son so it it is it is taking weirdly it does it did feel like the third act. They're like we got to wrap this up and we need some action so we need to do something so this is it's like my my one my one quip that I had with the Matt Reeves Batman movie if the movie had ended after he and Riddler had their sit down and Riddler realized he lost and we didn't get that extra 25 minutes of the Riddler's goons like attacking the mayoral uh, inauguration and Batman and Catwoman having to team up and beat the crap out of a bunch of goods. I'm like, this would have been a perfect movie, but you tack this on and it feels like you overstayed your I mean it's earned in a sense, but it's landing. But again, this is all this is technically Honda's second monster movie. This it's very different from you know the uh, the giant monster movies that he would end up going on to make in you know for the bulk of his career. But um at least with those, like with Godzilla. When Godzilla dies, you you do kind of feel bad for him because at the end of the day, the idea is Godzilla didn't ask for any of this. Like he's he's an irradiated monster. He just kind of wanted to, you know, where, you know, wherever he originally came from, he was you know clearly mutated by the, um, the folly of man and their atomic testing. And thus man has to put him down out of his, you know, in order to save themselves. This doesn't quite have that. This just goes for pure monster, you know, action. I mean, even later, I mean, the next movie he did after this, which I believe was Rodan, even that has, I mean, that has a similar kind of pacing on this. When you watch Rodan, Rodan is very much two movies in one. The first half of that movie is a killer on the loose movie. It's like a slasher movie. And then the second half gets into a giant monster movie. But that, it works though. Like, you don't see rodan you don't you don't you do you have there's if you went in blind to that movie you wouldn't even know that movie's about a giant pterodactyl like rampaging through uh through southern japan like it's it's a you know it, it's, a, it's a it's a it's a it's a uh serial killer movie and then it turns into that but even at the end when you know the rodan's uh, fall into the volcano, like, the you know, the one doesn't make it out, die, you know, is burning in the lava, and the other one sacrifices itself because it doesn't want to live without its mate, like, there is a sense of, like, yes, that, you know, these are slightly misunderstood creatures, you know, they are, they only do what they do because they're just big, and they just happen to be inconvenient to uh, to man's world. So, I mean, it is – he's clearly building up on a genre that he would go on to widely define. But that's why I think Half Human is in itself worth watching because it is – it's like watch – when you study a film – like you go through and, you know, like film schools do this. They make – you know, you go through and watch certain filmmakers' early filmographies, and you can watch as they build and figured out, you know, their themes and, you know, how they start doing things. Like you can – I do – I tell this, you know, with, you know – other film fans like go watch like Wes Anderson's movies and watch as he evolved from a guy who had like a weird eye to this master craftsman of filmmaking who uses completely symmetrical shots. Everything there's, everything's laid out for a reason and the comedy is just dry and fast and quippy and it all works. So, it is. It more or less. It's an interesting movie to see if uh, you're you're curious to how Honda evolved when he was uh, really cutting his teeth making these monster movies. So, but I am glad I got to see the original Japanese version. I, I you yeah. know, I, I looked yeah. for a, I looked for a while. Never could never really find. It. I now you know. I now that this copy's out there. I've start. I brought. It's. It's that Lewis Black joke. You know when you know it's. Someone, he's like, hey, did you know there's a, you know, someone comes up to me, hey, did you know there's a bear running around? And he's like, I haven't seen any bear. The next day, the <laughs> bear's following you. It became one of those things I started looking, I started noticing like bootlegs pop up on eBay and stuff like I'm like, oh, okay, so this has gotten out there. Um, it's, it's a shame that we'll never get like a, probably a clean copy of this at all, but it does remain one of those like deep cuts, like, if you're super into, like, film, if you're into this genre, like, it is one of those things, like, yeah, I got the original cut, but this is definitely not one that I, you know, you would de- you would pop in, like, on a, like, you know, like, I want to watch something fun. This, it doesn't have that sense of, like, I can watch Rodan, you know, once a month. I love Rodan to death. It's probably my second favorite non, you know, the of the solo monster movies. It's probably my second favorite behind War of the Gargantuas. Um, and this isn't that like i like latitude zero it's a fun movie but it's not one i'm ever gonna like pop in and watch like repeatedly battle in outer space that's another one like even mysterians for me like i i enjoy mysterians but again it's kind of a slow burn and it's uh it's i mean there's a lot of i mean there's stuff that happens but at the same time you're like Kind of want more robot, giant robot alien invasion action that's going on here than, you know, the scientists trying to figure out how to stop, you know, these invaders from the other side of the moon. But that said, uh I'm glad we did this because it gave me an excuse to finally watch Half Human as it was meant to be seen. All right, any last words?
1: Yeah, man. Uh... On this movie, I again, you said it You said it better. If you can guess, you are into the movie. Yeah, uh, but this is a movie I you've watched once, months, twice. But, like, I can't remember a line from this movie. Uh, but it's an interesting anomaly. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: that being yeah, said, it doesn't yes, have, it's not, uh, yeah, it's not quotable like Nick Adams going. Go ahead. <laughs> It's not as quotable as Nick Adams uh, screaming, "You rats! You stinking rats!"
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it's definitely not. But um, it, I, I don't want to tease too much about the next one uh, that we're doing. We are doing another movie. Uh, you wanna you wanna talk about it before I do?
0: Is it uh, the remake of a classic? Or of a cultish um, uh, TV show? Is that the one we we agreed on? It absolutely is. All right. Yes, it is. So for the next episode, and, uh, yes. For the next episode, we're going to my absolute favorite movie of 2011. We will be discussing Karate Robo Zabogar. We are jumping back into batshit insanity. Um, if you've never seen Karate Robo Zabogar, my god. Drop everything and find a copy. You can buy a Blu-ray of it, I think, for like $9.99 on Amazon. I think it's up on I think it's I think there's a copy of it streaming on, on YouTube as well. But this was a movie, not getting you know, one, but I saw it at a um at a film festival out here in LA and I was only I had the most minute understanding of the original show because it's one of those deep, deep cuts like, uh, like, uh, Tokusatsu shows, but I walked away enthralled by this thing, so I cannot wait to talk about that on the next episode, um, so that will be for, um, the end of, uh, the end of, uh, of April, as you're, uh, as you're listening, so, um, also, as you're listening to this, yeah, there will be three episodes this month because um, I fell behind on getting out our, our, our last episode for March because, well, uh, I ended up working um, quite a bit. So as you're hearing this, episode five's out. This will be out probably a couple days later, and then we will come back at the end of the month with Karate Robo Zabalgar. So that's on me, people. My apologies. I know I I, I promoted it on the, um, on the social, and, people, and even I was like, did you? do you post that? I'm like, "Ah, I'm a little behind. So that's on me. My bad. (laughs) It's okay. That's my bad. So other than that, Uh, any last words,
1: we do. Thank you. Yes. Yes. We do. Thank you for listening in our, so early in this podcast life. Uh, thank you. If you've been listening to the Kaiju kingdom podcast and took a chance on us, uh, we do want to reward you guys for listening. Uh, I don't want to give away too much, but there will be something, there'll be an opportunity to get some cool stuff from us. Um, So stay tuned on there.
0: There you go. I'll give me a lot of editing on this episode. Can you hear me? All right. So. (laughs) Did I cut off at all? You you, uh, you cut off, you trailed off there at the very, the very, very end, but we got, we, we got the, we got the message. So, yeah, if you're listening to this episode and it sounds a little weird, we've okay, had cool. some we've had some audio issues. Uh, I will have edited them out by the time you hear them, but the things sound a little off. We've Arjen's internet is not exactly cooperating with us tonight, so thus is the life of a podcaster. Yeah, so that's gonna do it for this edition of Common Kaisers. As always, if you're listening to this show, you if you found us on on uh, your your favorite podcast feed, we are under the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. Um, if you're listening to this and you haven't listened to the Kaiju Kingdom podcast, check that out. We'll have uh, just kind of have a new episode coming this week. There's uh, there's news on the front. Gamma has returned, Arin. It's, it's an exciting time. It's an exciting time to be a. a oh, gamer, I know. So. Did you see that Gamma trailer?
1: I did, and I cannot wait to see it.
0: I've already ordered the Bandai's. So.
1: Don't you love the new design? Oh my, I love the new. I love the new Jagger. I love the new Gauss. I love. I can't wait to hear you and Jessica talk all about uh, Gamera.
0: So yeah, and then um, working on um, my the King Kong episode that I've been putting together is I wanted to have it out for for the anniversary. Unfortunately. Life got in the way. I've been I've been doing a lot of work for uh for a few friends, so that will be out um by the end of this month as well. So um if you want to tune into that? We I am breaking down the unmade King Kong film from nineteen seventy-six that Universal was putting into production when Dino De Laurentis was uh making his big monkey film. So tune in for that one as well. Uh, you can find us online at, on Facebook at the Kaiju Kingdom podcast, Instagram as well at the Kaiju King, uh, at the Kaiju Kingdom podcast, Twitter at the Kaiju Kingdom. Just one word because we only given so many, uh, so many letters to use. And, uh, please like and subscribe. Let us know what you think. Um, yes, yeah, we're, we're, uh, we got, we got a lot of fun stuff lined up for the next few weeks. So we hope you guys will be, Tuning in and uh, enjoying these things as much as we do. And on that note, that will do it for this edition. For myself and Ariane. that's great.
1: <laughs> <You> got a <laughs> little bit of delays. Thanks for listening in, and we can't wait to hear from you again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, that uh, this like... is Adrian and thank you so much for listening in. I am glad to be back. Go
0: ahead. Well, the music's already playing as we as we're talking over this. It's playing. <laughs> it feels like uh, one of those news. This felt like one of those newscasts where <laughs> where the where the anchor where the the person live on the, the stream can't can hear the people in the. Audience.